Welcome to the 20 Minute Movie Review. This week's movie is The Irishman. The Irishman is available on Netflix, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci. The movie is supposedly based on the life of mob hitman Frank Sheeran and comes from the book I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. Um, who knows how much of any of this is true? I know Netflix paid over $200 million to make this movie. It clocks in at about three and a half hours long. I know that's been a point of contention with some people. To be honest with you, though, um, one thing I didn't have a problem with, I never have a problem with this movie length. Um, listen, Martin Scorsese is one of the best storytellers on the planet. If he feels it takes three and a half hours to tell his story, then it takes three and a half hours to tell the story. I have no issue with that. And anybody that has an issue with, you know, movie length is, is ridiculous. You know, we have fans now in the Star Wars universe that are telling us how stories should be told. Now we have fans telling us how long movies should be. Stop it. Like, really, if, if movie time and length is a problem for you, don't see them. Like, stay home and watch an episode of Friends or Seinfeld. I just, in defense of the, of, of the Irishman, I will say that. Like, you know, I think Martin Scorsese knows when he needs an when he needs an editor, and obviously he felt that this was the amount of time it took to watch, to to have the movie unfold and tell the story the way he wanted it told. No issue with that. You know, online there's people that are breaking it up for you. They're telling you, you know, what minute mark to stop to start in four ins installments and three installments. Fine. If, if you need to watch a movie and break it up, you know, it's it's almost like when you were younger, having your mother, you know, cut your food for you when you're like two or three years old, having your mother cut your food for you in little tiny bites so you could eat it easier. Fine. If that's what you need to, to, to have happen to watch a movie, then go for it. But that's uh, to me, that's borderline pathetic. The first episode I had was A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which I broke down the wonderful Tom Hanks movie. And this is my second installment. And I have to say, I waited a little bit. I wanted to see what the SAG Awards kind of came out with, and I also wanted to see what the Golden Globes came out with, and it, and it was pretty much like I thought. Uh, De Niro got snubbed in both venues. I don't know what that tells you. When The SAG Awards are basically, it's a Screen Actors Guild, and those awards are given by, I mean, I guess indirectly all awards come from actors who vote, but the SAG Awards are a big deal if you're an actor. I mean, this is directly what your peers think. And he was snubbed by them. He was snubbed by the Golden Globes. Who knows what, what the um, Academy Awards are going to look like. But quite truthfully, when I take the three big names in this movie, right? Pacino, uh, De Niro, and Joe Pesci. The best, by far, and I mean by far, is Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci's amazing in this movie. He's absolutely amazing. He's not the, you know, the angry, whiny little guy who is violent. He's just an actor doing a phenomenal job. Very passive. You know, he speaks with his actions, you know. I loved Joe Pesci in this. I really thought Al Pacino was almost cartoon-like because he was Al Pacino being Al Pacino being Jimmy Hoffa. Like, what is going on here? It was, at times, Al Pacino was very, very tough to watch. You know, and going back to De Niro, I feel like he just mailed it in. Two -third, the first two-thirds of the movie are just not good. Like, the movie's third act is great. It's, it really is. It's great. But the, the, the setup to that last third of the movie is just so poor. You know, in, in the movie in 1992, Hoffa, a movie called Hoffa in 1992 came out. It was directed by Danny DeVito, who's also in the movie. At least Jack Nicholson tries to put on an honest performance as Jimmy Hoffa. I'm, I'm watching Al Pacino become Jimmy Hoffa, and it's it's almost comical. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know how to... I don't know that I have the vernacular to describe it, 
but it was very difficult to watch. It was just, like I said, it was almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. And then they have Anna Paquin, who's a phenomenal actor, who's an Academy Award winning actor, and they give her like two lines in the entire movie. She plays um, Frank Sheeran's daughter. I mean, are you? why would you go to that length to, to cast someone that good to completely just mute her, her abilities? It's ridiculous. You know, I just, there's a lot that works against this movie for me. Again, overall, it's a good movie. It's saved by the last third. You know, it's got some great performances. But, the, you know, the CGI was, you know, I, I mentioned that Netflix spends over $200 million to make this movie. I don't know where that money went because I got to tell you, the CGI on Robert De Niro's face is very, very difficult to look at. It's borderline awful. It's almost like high school play makeup kind of thing. It was, you know, it was kind of cringeworthy watching his face. I don't know why they just didn't bring in a younger version of Frank Sheeran. You know, maybe a Leo DiCaprio, somebody younger. I mean, obviously that's a huge actor, but somebody to represent the younger Frank Sheeran. Because to look at the CGI version of, of Robert De Niro was, for me, was it, it was a train wreck. It was, you know, driving by a car accident. And I, I was so busy looking at his face, I was not even paying attention to the dialogue, which was not great to begin with. But it was very difficult to watch. And, you know, I, I, there's just so many, again, there's so many issues working against this movie. You know, how much of it is true, but that doesn't bother me so much as the storytelling, how how uh, Scorsese chose to use his actors, you know, the way the first two-thirds of the movie unfolded. And I wonder if this would have been so successful, because this movie's divided a lot of people, and I'm, I'm in that camp. I definitely, you know, I tweeted this, you know, earlier, and, and I felt like this is a, it is a solid to good movie. You know, it's it's canned tuna. You know, it's, it's, it's doable. It's a good, you know, average, everyday lunch, right? It's not lobster. It's not a phenomenal... It's not, you know, any of that. Although I would say that Joe Pesci deserves an Academy Award nod. That I will say. But it's, to me, it was it's very difficult to hear people saying this is one of the greatest movies of the year. Uh, it's Not only is this not one of the top half movies of the year as far as quality-wise, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon getting snubbed all over the place. So many movies getting snubbed, and that's a show for another time. But not only is this movie not, you know, one of the top movies of this year for me personally, not in the top half... But it's not even in the top half of Martin Scorsese's movies. I'll name some movies, and you tell me if you've seen The Irishman, if, if The Irishman is better than any of these. It's not better than Wolf of Wall Street, and that's probably the most debatable one on the list. It's not better than Shutter Island. It's not better than The Departed. It's not better than The Aviator. Not better than Gangs of New York. Not better than Casino. Not better than Cape Fear. Not better than Goodfellas. Not better than Color of Money with Paul Newman. Not better than Raging Bull. Not better than Taxi Driver. This is just a very average movie. The 8-1 on IMDb is very generous. And I wonder if people had to go to the theaters and pay for this movie versus sitting home on your couch or laying in bed and watching it, if, if, the, if the response would have been the same. Because when you pay to go to a theater, you're paying, unless you're going to a matinee, you know, you're paying you know, 9 to, what, 15, 16 bucks uh, a ticket. You're probably buying popcorn. There's another ten to fifteen. You're probably buying soda or a drink. There, I mean, it 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 adds up. And what you're seeing better be worth the price of admission, right? Better be worth everything you're putting into it. And I wonder if the effects would have been different had it not been on Netflix, you know. And I also really kind of didn't appreciate not this. This is not in my review, but I didn't appreciate the way Scorsese teed off on Marvel movies. You know, Marvel movies do an awesome job at CGI. You know, maybe he should have 
learned a little bit from them instead of kind of being critical of Marvel movies and superhero movies because I have to be very honest. It's just this movie is almost, uh, and I feel like the recognition is almost like a lifetime achievement award for the actors that were involved in it, for the director that's involved in it. It's almost like a a thank you to them for their years of work because the product itself does not warrant um, nominations. And clearly the SAG actors agree with me um, in the SAG Awards. Clearly the Golden Globes agree with me. The recognition that this movie is getting is just a tip of the hat to nostalgia and a thank you to everybody involved. That's the way I see it because it's just not a great movie. It's just simply not. You know, I mean, look at the other movies out this year. Ford versus Ferrari is so much better than this. Ad Astra is so much better than this. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so much better than this. I mean, on and on. I, I just, I don't see it. You know, I don't see it. Joker is better than this. There's Doctor Sleep was better than this for me. And when I release the top movies of the year, I'll break each down and I'll make my case without much trouble. And, and I want to be honest. I'm not one of these people that examines the history of movies, right? Because one of the shows I love on TV, it's the best show right now on, on any streaming network, any major network, and that is The Crown on Netflix. It's just fantastic. Like It is the polar opposite of this movie in every way. It's not too long, for those that think that. It's supremely acted, supremely well-written. It makes the most out of its actors. It makes the most out of its time. It is just so freaking good. It is, it is the exact opposite of this movie. You know, and you have those people online that are these, you know, well, that's not historically accurate. Well, that's not this. Like, they don't let you enjoy an episode. They're always talking, well, that is not how it happened. But... I have to say, the acting is so good, even if it's 60% accurate, 70% accurate, it's still well worth the watch. There's no question. And I have to say, watching The Irishman, you know, the acting, which you know I have a problem with, aside, um, the movie itself being overrated, aside, you know, I wonder how legitimate Frank Sheeran is. Because the story, and I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but the story, when you watch it unfold, it just doesn't make sense. Like, his actions, what he does, some of the characters involved. It's just a mess. It doesn't make any sense from a storytelling point of view. It doesn't make any sense from a, you know, non-fictional point of view. You know, you have to wonder about the legitimacy of Frank Sheeran. And again, I'm not trying to say, oh, that's not historically how it is. No one knows what happened to Jimmy Hoffa. And this account, by, by many of the ones that I've read, seems to be the most far-fetched of them all. It's just... It's borderline ridiculous the way it plays out, you know. So what are my thoughts in this movie to sum it up? To be very honest with you, it's an overrated movie. It's a movie that is paying tribute indirectly, directly to Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, uh, Robert De Niro. The first two-thirds of the movie don't work. They're boring. They drag on. A lot of it makes no sense. Um, there's a lot of overacting here. Um, the movie itself, compared to others this year, is probably in the bottom half. I'm not sure if it ranks in the top half of Martin Scorsese movies. And, and when you go on social media or the internet or you read articles in a paper, whatever, I almost feel like they want, they're, they're stuffing this movie down your throat. They're making you like it. They're, they're, presenting a false narrative of what this movie is and how great it is. It's you're be, it's like you're being sold a bill of goods that just doesn't fulfill what it's promised to be. It's just, you know, if you want to see a great movie on Netflix right now, Marriage Story is right there. That's going to get nominated for an Academy Award. I think it's been nominated for SAG, been nominated for, for Golden Globes. You know, I mentioned The Crown. Netflix has a lot of supreme television, some of the best television, some of the best movies in the world. 
And I'm sorry, this isn't it. You know, I think because of the money involved, I think because of who's involved, we are pressured to really want to like this movie. I think it's cool to come away from the Irishman saying, yeah, man, that's Scorsese. That's, that's another one of his classics. It isn't. It really isn't. Um, go to any one of those movies I named. It doesn't stand up. It just doesn't work for me. And I'm pretty, if I was to compare myself, you know, I told, one of the things I love about this show is I don't use, you know, tomatoes or rotten or numbers or letters. But go through any of Scorsese's movies and tell me where this ranks. It's not even in the top half. So, so I have a little bit of a litmus test for you. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a Quentin Tarantino-directed movie nominated everywhere. Um, very similar to The Irishman in the sense that both directors use historical liberties, I think, to direct the movie. I think both movies are loosely based on historical events. Um, I, I do think Frank Sheeran kind of exaggerated everything, if not flat-out lied. Um, you know, Tarantino, I'm not going to give away the movie, plays with history a little bit at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You watch those two movies and you tell me that, that they're on the same playing field as far as acting, directing, and the writing. You, cinematography as well. You tell me, although I do have to say The Irishman does look pretty good. It, 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 visually, it does pop off the screen. But look at the writing, look at the acting, look at the directing, look at the story itself. You tell me those movies are close in nature. I don't think it's even remotely close. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is infinitely better than The Irishman. Like People should be talking about that movie, and they, and they were when it came out, but it's been a little bit since it's released. Now it's on iTunes. I think now it's also available on Blu-ray. But if people think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and The Irishman are similar, I would say their palette for movies probably needs some refreshing, maybe a nice washout, you know, I moved The Irishman to the head of the pack for a reason. You know, it's out now. Everybody can see it. It's available on Netflix. Quite truthfully, I had about I have about five to ten movies that I've seen in the theater recently that I wanted to review ahead of this. But because of the timing of the awards, because of a lot of things, I moved it to the front of the line. The fact that it's very convenient for people to watch, they can just put it on Netflix. You know, I have to say I'm very proud of the fact that I work very, very hard at this, right? You might say, you know, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. His his opinions are weird. He's all over the place. That's fine. But from my end, I can at least say I put the time in. I see everything in the theaters. I try to keep up with my Rolodex of TV shows and streaming services and, and what I'm up with. I've got a lot going on. So I, I really try to do this job really well. Like there's other podcasts that watch movie trailers and think that's research. They read Wikipedia and think that's watching the movie. That's half-assing it. That's Bush League City. That's not what I do. I really try to get all the facts I can. I mean, there's times where I'm watching a movie at the theater and I'm taking down notes, whether it's for a guest that I know I'm going to have or whether it's for a movie I know I'm going to review. I just saw Dark Water last week. Phenomenal movie. I'm going to review that. You know, there's a few times I was just, you know, I don't want to put my phone on because it distracts from other people in the theater, but I was just, I had a, I had a pen and I was jotting things down on a little pad I have in my pocket. And if nothing else, if, the, if you guys listening to this can hear the passion in my voice, can hear how much I love movies and love TV, that's all I care about. But that being said, I'm going to do it the right way. And I'm really, really proud of that. So hopefully you enjoy these reviews to some degree. They give you a little bit of an idea of, of what's ahead. You know, it's a very brief 15, 20-minute breakdown in my own way, my own scatterbrained way of kind of throwing things on the wall like a Jackson Pollock painting, just throwing it on the wall and see what you could take away and leave what you don't. But I want to say thank you for listening to the second installment. Um, you can reach me on the internet, Twitter, MDM Critic, on 
Instagram, Monday Morning Critic. My email is mondaymorningcritic at gmail.com. Please feel free to contact me. I, my website is mmcpodcast.com, mmcpodcast.com. Next week, I'll have another review for you, and hopefully you can take something away from that. Really appreciate you listening. Talk soon.